Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. And we have Nathan Lee Miller-Foster. He is the wizard rock star who lives in Boston and loves his rock star, Lady Beth JJ. He's Freemason out of Orient Lodge in Norwood, Mass., as well as a Scottish Rite Mason out of Valley of the of Boston, and currently a 7th degree York Rite Mason. Agnostic and poet, his writing can be found at Occult Fan WordPress, and his music can be found on Bandcamp. For fans of Twin Peaks, he especially recommends you listen to his song, And Now for the Doctor. Finally, you will enjoy catching up to and keeping up with his Six of Swords podcast, which can be found on Apple or Podcast Addict. And all those links will be in the show notes in case you couldn't keep up with all that. Hi, Nathan Lee. How are you? Hey, both of you guys. Um, thank you so much for in- inviting me on the show. I appreciate your um, giving me the opportunity to uh, talk about some Twin Peaks. And I'd love to just really quickly start off, like, how did you get into Twin Peaks? How did you find out about the show? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> being kind of like a, a cultural, like thing that popped up here and there in the simpsons right obviously the famous homer watching the show going i have no idea what's going on <laughs> we all saw that when we were kids and you know obviously basically i saw it when i was a, it's a really important part of my life i was going through a lot of transitions and i uh was moving to a new school and i ended up in the basement there at the library downloading stuff from like something or other or at least finding where some sites this is 2005 now okay july of 2005 mm. uh, 7 7 if you're doing the math uh two and five is seven in july so basically i found it on like some vimeo or something of the time and mm. i watched it and instantly i had found my family it was so familiar like i couldn't stop watching i i knew this was like speaking to me at a soul level so that's how i discovered it and i yeah i just i've known about it since i was a kid i think i saw it on tv like for a minute but the real time was july 2005 when i really got into it and i watched them all so cool now i have known you from uh twitter and uh, your your handle is a cult fan so are you a fan of of the occult that's a fair question (laughs) i should should say no to that yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) honest to god it's such a strange word and such a i live such a strange life like i i really do believe there's so much more to the material world i think that someone who's like a materialist Hmm. is like um a blind person in a way just Hmm. i'm trying really to be polite and just like you know not judgmental Hmm. it's it's really hard to um you know when like you know something's true and then someone else doesn't and you're like ah or at least you know your opinion feels that way yeah i'm just you know and oh i'm not agnostic i wanted to um that's a, a word called gnostic g capital g n o s t i c gnosis is basically a feeling of knowing or knowing it's hmm. knowing something so that no authority can ever tell you what's true true hmm. that has to come from you and your connection to what connects us all but um I'm a fan of Final Fantasy VIII. Why is he saying that? Because in Final Fantasy VIII, there's a weird side quest called 
the Dune Train side quest, where you're required to collect, quote-unquote, according to the game, 666 amount of items and activate it with something called Solomon's Ring. Hmm. And this is called the Occult Fan side quest. And for to get Dune Train, you have to collect these magazines, Occult Fan, and they give you these clues, and you can unlock a powerful ally called Dune Train. Hmm. And anyway, so in that game, they have the side quest of Occult Fan, and that's where that came from. So Twin Peaks, the band Tool... The Final Fantasy slash Zelda series, these things inform my life very deeply at almost a DNA level. And the strangest thing is, is, and this is going to be a, a plot recurrent that we will return again and again to, uh, at fiction and reality are not separate items, but on one, what you call a F-O-R-T-E-A-N, Fortean scale, huh. phenomenon. Uh, but I'll stop for now because I think that sufficiently answers your question at this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love the Final Fantasy. I'm a, uh, I love Final Fantasy VII myself. It, three is my ultimate favorite one, but you know, I cool. think that that was a hard one to beat. But that ends with like there's that like left there's like a bunch of land mass that's like above no space, and you have to right. That's the end of three, isn't it? Yeah, when you're fighting, you're basically falling. Right? Is that near the end? I barely remember. I've I've played three through. Um, I've played twelve through. I'm a fan of twelve that no one likes, but uh, eight and nine are special. That those are the those are co-equals for perfect. Yeah. Twin Peaks, two, the two highest, the two Twin Peaks are eight and nine, and uh, seven's also great. You know, with the whole um, what is it like that you got the Avalanche Group and stuff like that. But I I couldn't get into it. Something some divine providence guided me to play eight, and it really has become a huge integral part of my life's work. That's pretty cool. And we we do have the remaster of Seven coming out, which I'm very excited for. Do we? <laughs> we do. It's really coming out uh, this I year. Know, I know. One 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 day. Yeah. But right. Right. What remakes can we have? At least Twin Peaks is keeping it fresh. I mean, you've seen The Lion King. Um, I think for this, it's uh, we're gonna go off the rails for a minute. But this is like yeah. a re a full remake. Like it's almost like a brand new game. So I think it's it, I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Oh, okay, I don't know that. I, I'm just that's a fair point. I yeah, I, yeah, no qualms, no qualms. I, so, I have only love for Final Fantasy, and I will say shout out to the two best Zelda games because there's got to be two apparently. Link's Awakening. Yes. Majora's Mask. Yes, Majora's Mask. Link is Awakening, loosely based off of uh, Twin Peaks. Precisely. Like, mm. my life is... Like, I feel like... Uh, we'll, we'll let you decide at the end of this with the pieces and see what happens. What are, what are <laughs> things that you connect to with Twin Peaks that maybe, you know, there's, yeah. like, deeper things about Twin Peaks that you really grab onto, I guess, or really connect to? Strangely enough, like, my name and my family names and stuff, like, pop up all throughout the book. Like, my father's oh. name is... And I grew up in Medway, Massachusetts, which is right next to Milford. And I mean, that's just one silly example. It, but it's it's silly when it's just like one of the things. It's like, oh, isn't that cute? But then Nathan Twining, Nathan Lee, no, that cute. I, I literally opened up my book to page 152 and 153, which mentions Project Grudge, which is actually a song in a Tool album that I'm writing a, keep up with me, that I'm <laughs> writing a book about. It's based on the reorganization via the Fibonacci sequence in track order of lateralis into an album called the holy gift an integral piece in the holy gift the first track on lateralis or rather the eighth track on the holy gift is called the grudge hmm. and then and it is actually connected to all of this because the song before that if you understand that angels aliens and ultra dimensionals are the same thing twin hmm. peaks will argue this too hmm. that you're going to see that there's a track taken from art bell's coast to coast a famous ufo paranormal show having a guy having a freak out talking about how he's escaping from Area yes. 51. Yep. It's called Fiat de Awad, which is Enochian, the, the language of the angels as derived by scryer Edward Kelly via court magician 007 Triangle John D, who actually has the um, rights to the architectural structure in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, we can go there someday if you like. Uh, on the equinox is the time to do that. Jim Egan's a cool dude, but John D is the architect of the Newport Tower, which is on the flag of Newport. I carry on to say that a lot of different aspects of like the Tool album that I'm writing about and the Twin Peaks and the UFOs and how that guy was having a freak out. Basically, he talks about how 9-11 is coming and that call into Art Bell was on 911. Wow. Uh, so the dangers that are coming literally in a four square year amount. So what we see is that the guy in the in the book, the whole thrust of the Holy Gift, the whole reason that's a thing and the reason I'm writing about it, 
is there's an actual consciousness blueprint in there that can, you know, secularly, without any, like, telling you how to feel about what's inside you, it's a structure that allows you to at least live in an optimized, self-governing manner. All right, so this guy's having a freak out, and then the next track after that in reordering is called The Grudge. Project Grudge, Aliens, you know, he's talking about it. And so it all, I just, I'm, I'm loosely putting down some pieces for those with eyes to see. Uh, but yeah, I think I've said enough for a minute, at least. No, I, I love it. I love the, the, the tool reference here, and that audio of that guy freaking out is very chilling. My life's in strange, like, periods for the tool music itself. In fact, you wouldn't even believe, uh, not for the show, but like, it just comes back around. But like, um, yeah, that made me throw my headphones off my head. I literally did that. I'm not kidding. I, I was terrified. Mm. It was a shock. Yeah, very, very creepy. Nathan Lee, I feel like you have a good, a good understanding of like symbolism in Twin Peaks and and dealing with rituals and like you you seem to have a really good understanding about that. Can you talk a little bit about what what you see in Twin Peaks? Sure, yeah. uh, I'll say this quickly too to finish the point about the tool thing. The reason the Holy Gift is a sacred object versus the structured one that came out of the factory, you know, because think about this: the difference between something that came through the organic pure soul of what we call the internet. That's the Holy Gift. It and if it ends with fear and terror, like the first album does, like Lateralis, that is horrible. That's like the definition of evil for some really advanced people, I'd say, is to say that anything has an ending. Hmm. And we all know the worst thing is like in our fantasies, when we're all in our private space, like that fantasy that goes wrong where we end with that, no, you know, like that <laughs> feeling. That's the terror that man felt. The whole lesson to learn from that is to not take anything too seriously. Herman Hesse says that seriousness is an accident in the overestimation of the value of time. Eternity is only long enough for a joke. So mm -hmm. if you're cool and you don't wear the grudge like a crown and you learn to let that go, whatever that ethereal lesson's telling you, you just go right past that. That's not the end. You skate on forward. You keep flowing on your jazz. So you were asking me about symbolism, and that's a way of thinking in symbolic languages, to mm -hmm. think laterally, which is one of the lessons of lateralis. And lateral to us is a twin peak, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. And it has to do with Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. These are continual stories that are told by a different ways of expressing the subtle or the occult or the esoteric traditions that have run throughout humanity in our different iterations throughout our history, whether or not actual human evolution is indeed how that works or not. It seems to be that there is a mystical functioning that different parts of humans throughout the ages, different you know, parts, meaning different like traditions of wisdom have written about similar concurrent frequencies that um, appear over and over again in the, in the form of events, in the form of behaviors, in the form of felt meanings. Mm -hmm. And these archetypes are basically a language that the reason we love Twin Peaks is because they speak to us straight through it. They speak to us in the lover's tongue. You were recently on, or actually, you were on another podcast when Twin Peaks was just about to come on. Uh, season three is about to start. Was it a, a culture? A culture yeah, podcast? With, with Ryan Beverly. I love Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. So you, but the, the show, I don't think, had actually come back. It was just about to come back. So did you get to see season three? Have you got to, to take yeah. that in? This is the reason my girlfriend can't listen to this episode yet, because we're actually reading Secret History right now. Ah. We're, we're doing files. We're on season nine. Uh, we just watched uh, episode. I don't. Oh gosh, this this gets wild quickly because you guys think that we're talking about fiction, but you're about to realize that David Lynch is casting a huge spell, and fiction crosses over to reality. The two peaks are what you think is fiction and what you think is your reality, and you're about to see Jupiter and Saturn align. So <laughs> Oh, get ready. So anyways, the point is, is that he and I were talking about all the stuff before that. I started to watch the third season. And it's, like, it's ridiculous. Like, the first time you watch it, you're like, this isn't my beautiful house. This isn't my beautiful Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God, this, this is. And I just needed to catch up. And you realize that in the third season, it's TPTR. And if you look at one of the core, the, the core important aspects of the calendar, because I mean, this is, all has to do with time and cycles and 
manifestation. If you look at the, that's obviously what, the 22nd of March, right? It's all the three months, three, six, nine, and 12, one and two is three. Hmm. So that's where you have your cross points, Christmas, the summer heights, and, you know, the equinoxes. So when you look at the point of the equinox, of the fall equinox, which is significant for several reasons, but we carry on later, you have Virgo on one side and Scorpio on the other side. Uh, both of those are supremely, well, they're all magical, but look at the TP and you have the M Virgo. You have the lady crossing her legs. Then if you look at the R, it's now the other side of that equal perfect balance of Libra, and it's the sign of Scorpio. And that's why it's Twin Peaks, the return, because the R is the P with the penis coming out, just looking at it purely from a phallic perspective. So, wow. Yeah, no, there's so much going on here. Like, it's good. I'm not even going to begin to scratch more than a surface. Like, people who are into Twin Peaks should be getting their magic game up right now, because real change is coming. You know, I mean, believe it or not, I'm, what do I know? What do I know? Man, I love it. And so, love it. are you still? Are you, did you say you're just on uh, part nine right now, or did you finish uh, season three? Oh, I finished three. I've seen it a few times. Oh, okay, cool, um, cool. Yeah, one of the most brutal moments when that uh, Polish accountant comes. Yeah. But David, I'm gonna say there's some magic here. You gotta understand that, like, while we're all being taught that everyone's this or that, different traditions have special powers that are unique to those traditions, including Polish people. Polish people have a very special thing about them. And that's why he chose a Polish accountant, not just because it looks like Polish or because it's North Pole or anything like that. But there's always codes within codes within codes. And that's one that really sticks out to me, that Polish accountant. Hmm. In my, of course, um, Inland Empire, there's all the Polish people and he has the... So there's something sure. mystical going on there. But yeah, Twin Peaks Season 3, I'm glad I was able to express that idea about the very fact of the TP and the TR. Not to mention, we see all the Saturn in the show with the lamp, and it was uh, Saturn's return. So yeah. that's another reason that's Twin Peaks, the return. Wow. That's pretty good. I liked it a lot. That's yeah. really cool. And by the way, that song, The Grudge, that we started off with, yeah, guys, we're being guided tonight. I'm just telling you, I'm not, this is real. We're being guided by higher forces. Um, the song that I started off talking about, The Grudge, yeah. here's the lyrics. Saturn comes back around. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. This is great. Well, it's like I said, for those with eyes to see, and for other people, it's silly and overwhelming. And it's like I don't know where, I don't know which side of the boat I'd rather be on, but I'd rather know what's going on and catch up with my emotions rather than being left in the dark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of like? I mean, there's so many incredible like imagery in the uh, season three. I think about the atomic bomb. And it, yeah, episode eight. I mean, episode eight. And I, I, I and I think I've said this to Mark Frost, but it seems to me like there was some kind of like ritual of or something that kind of like opened up the door so that like we could have the experiment and Bob come out and that maybe there's some kind of ritual thing going on regarding the Trinity bomb. I mean, where do I even begin? Uh, <laughs> Mark Frost is someone, I'm a Miller Foster. Mark Frost is someone who I would love to shoot the breeze with and speak as magicians or at least as people who are concerned with the reality. I don't know what's really, I don't know what their aim is. I, I like to assume that they're on the side of the White Lodge because, you know, we're just going to go straight there right now. Yeah. This is my opinion. But I think that there actually always really has been spiritual, you know, back and forths. And ultimately, maybe the White Lodge is just a way of seeing the world with courage and nobility and kindness and compassion. Mm. Like, you know, fix your heart or die, kind of. But what kind of compassionate person would tell So complicated as life is, I really do think that there are White Lodges and Black Lodges. It's not an accident. How many other um, known Freemasons have you had on your show? None. <laughs> You're the I don't first. know. Yeah, I don't it's know. The the they haven't shared it. it with us. Yeah. Well, it's different. Like my generation's a bit. I don't know. It's it's the time for this. It is completely the time for. Uh, so we open up and we see Mary Weather Lewis's bloodied Masonic apron, right? In mm. the Twin Secret History. Yeah. What's a full fledged Masonic apron doing in this book, right? To you bring up Mark Frost. And, What's that doing in there, right? What's yeah. what's the overwhelming or overall intention behind that? Right. And again, Mark's being led by other forces too. I'm sure we're just humans. There's so much more than we. I I still think about like at the end of season three with Diane and and uh, Cooper having sex. That maybe they were having a sex ritual. I don't know. Like they they have this act. They don't seem very comfortable. And then 
Cooper wakes mm-hmm. up and he's in a different time. He's in a different place, hotel, everywhere. Different place. Yeah. Uh, Diane's yeah. not there. He's, he's a different person. He's now shooting people kind of like more coldly and throwing yeah. them prior. Um, so he's not, he's not even, di- let's like, be careful with magic because it will change you. Yeah, look. And if it changes you, does it change the world around you? If mm. you change, does the dimension change? Mm. Is it, you know, so, I mean, I think that there's a lot going on that's way above my pay grade. I'm just a low level owl, so to speak. Uh, that's an Appleseed cast title. That's the only reason I use that phrase. Mm. Um, but I think that it's important to realize that if there is a cycle of history coming around, when things just kind of like get really intense or something like that, it would be well, it would behoove people who are interested in not having a total freak out, shut down life end to like figure out how to strengthen themselves spiritually. I'll, I'll, I'll actually say it like this Hunter S. Thompson, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Mm-hmm. It's a, weird. It is kind of a breakdown at the end with, with oh, sorry, Carrie I, Page. Well, that's the whole point is that they're trying to show you that, like, there will be real changes. I think that's what I was trying to say by saying that, even though it seems like it's just a television show. And that's fine. I mean, again, but, you know, there's books that people write and entire countries base their philosophies off it. You could get what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah. One book or anything. But, you know, people that's what is reality. Can you even tell me where you guys came from? Mm. Oh. You've mentioned a couple times, Nathan Lee, about uh, magicians, and I really felt like Cooper clearly became a magician if he wasn't always a magician, but like he's in the red room and he just waves his hand and is opening up the curtains by the by the movement of his hand. And I think that was like first time where it seems like he's clearly is a magician. Yeah, because the Twin Peaks tarot deck that they made um, a couple of years ago, like unofficial, whatever, uh, has Cooper as a magician, I believe, has ah. garden I didn't remember that. That's wow. really cool. It was but, a it was a cool deck. Yeah, the guy's a neat guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, in Garland Briggs is obviously the the hierophant. And if you guys aren't familiar with fellow Bostonian Christopher Loring Knowles, K N O W L E S, the Knowles is not what he seems of uh, the Secret Sun. Uh, you guys want to check out his work. He's got a lot of cool stuff to say about like the Cocteau Twins, who David Lynch was huge into. In fact, oh. Isabella Rossellini is singing in place of Liz Frazier. And if you look at Liz Frazier, well, all of this crazy ritualistic, you know, art is realer than reality stuff really comes into focus down that thread. But uh, yeah, I really feel like what, um, what I'm trying to emphasize something here tonight that this is not just a television show. And incredible enough as it came back in 25 years, as it told you it would, so it's like, listen to the wisdom when it speaks, I guess. And hmm. um, Yeah, but say some more questions, because I'm, I'm going in a direction with this. We'll get around to it. So, so Nathan Lee, do you think we saw the White Lodge? Do you remember the fireman when he's showing floating in the, 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 the room there, the grayscale hmm. room? With the right, gold? right. I believe that's an invocation of a White Lodge. I've, I've seen other people say that, and it just made sense. That's, it does. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, for season three, yes. I do agree there. Like, yeah. I was just wondering, in the original series, right. um, I don't think we ever saw anything no. indicated. Dale, Dale failed, and that's the entire point about, like, that's true. Have, in certain, like, so Danny Perry of Tool, you can go to dannycarry.org forward slash library, library. And you'll see all like a bunch of magic books. These different books also inform the series, like to the point where that weird, like endless ocean of purple, that's called the Mauve Zone. The really? Of the OTO, the Order of Templi Orientis, the Order of Eastern Templars, of whom um, we will get into the television show on Amazon called Hellier at some point. Uh, so make sure we do touch on that because that's actually at the crux of the uh, reality crossover. And the cats who make Hellier are huge Twin Peaks, X Files dudes. In fact, Twin Peaks and X Files both pop up in Hellier. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a show about people who go out to uh, hunt goblins in the first season, and uh, there's all sorts of esoteric stuff. And then the second season, it gets even weirder. And I guarantee um, I, this is uh, this term of the scourge of existence for magicians at this point, but it's called um, Carl Jung called it synchronicity. And you're going to start experiencing like unexplainable but totally meaningful coincidences that should not be able to happen on a physical level, as if like in philosophy, we talk about the billiard balls. But, like, you actually look, can feel, like, on the higher levels of subtle intelligences or whatever we call the upper levels of manifestation, 
where we cannot see things happening and time moves at a different rate and pace. We're slower down here because we're denser. Things are moved around up there and then we are down here living our lives thinking that we're doing things when it's really like, oh, that alpaca just walked in and Cooper didn't, or, you know, McLaughlin didn't smile. Yep, yeah. yep. Or your wife just happened to meet you at the coffee shop. Like things happen. Right. Yeah. So, and, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did start watching Helliard. You just reminded okay. me. And yes, that I, I didn't know there was a second season. I'm I've I haven't finished Helliard, but my God, I didn't know like the these there were the mines. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the the mines held these creatures that were actually like Ben. I don't think Ben knows what I'm talking about. I have about. no idea what the so t- these I don't creatures. Know where to find this th- show. These creatures that supposedly were terrorizing people who lived off these mine shaft areas, and this one guy. Was sending information to yeah yeah he's sending like he's showing photos and pictures and all this stuff and then he he leaves and and the people there the documentarians decide and they aren't the supernatural they decide hey we're gonna um follow this up and take this seriously but it's a great series it really is as you as you said series, I wrote the word series. It's uh, the X series by a Boston journal for the Cambridge named Dark Journalist. Yep. It was uh, named Daniel List, but um, he's been doing the lion's, uh, the yeoman's work of breaking down certain, you know, they like to call BS on the fake UFO people, and they try to support the real people. It's basically the long and short of it. One of their preferred people is named Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan co-published a book by author Mike Cleland, if you guys aren't familiar with Mike Cleland, he wrote a book called The Messengers, all about how aliens or interdimensionals or ultradimensionals disguise themselves as owls. And this is real deal mm. spiritual stuff. Mike Cleland, you'll want to look into. But to cycle back around to Hellier, there's a magician who used to be in the OTO, which I mentioned, and his name is Alan Greenfield. And you can actually look up an interview with him and Paul Weston on a sh- uh, show by Frank Zero and Steve Snyder called The Farm. And you can hear a lot more about the recent implications of the fallout of what's been happening. Really? In short, it's a ritual that's bringing uh, fiction into reality. And that's why Twin Peaks is tied into this. And I've got more to say, but let's hope I can say at least the necessary things this evening. I really want to serve the overall forward momentum of the White Lodge. I, I literally identify as a White Lodge uh, dweller. Mm. I like it's like in this weird world of ours i identify as a furry like this that the other i identify as a white lodge dweller i identify <laughs> as someone who wants to ultimately like live as quote unquote christ-like i always had a problem with like people like you know let him do it i'm like no you gotta be good to people that's a yeah. lesson yeah yeah it's true but that's, that's what i'm saying i i come i'm a fan of the show called no agenda it's a podcast in the morning if you're listening uh thank you for your coverage but um I have a title on that show as a knight, and it's, um, let's see if I can see this, Sir Nathan Lee Miller Foster, Chaotic Good Knight of the White Lodge, Blue Orchid of the Gold Heart Mountaintop Queen Directory, Elfstone and Bearer of the Sword Reforged. That's my title. Uh, you heard the White Lodge in there, so I... Yeah. Sh- I love yeah, it. I love yeah, they got another knight on the show for, uh, from No Agenda, who's uh, sort of something of Twin Peaks. I, I just like the, the phrase White Lodge Dweller. I think that's yeah, great. Right I think I love it. That that's pretty cool. And Nathan Lee, go ahead. I was just gonna. I'm kind of moving on. Like, what is your thoughts about the owls and what they play in? Especially, I think about season two. They're not in yeah. as quite as much in season three. I like to think that maybe they're they're they're. That's where Bob and Mike can either turn into, or their souls go into the owls. Or what what do you make of these owls? The owls are not what they seem. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you. Uh, I think you said a few important things there. Oh my god, that's what it is? Sorry, I'm just having a realization about the sigil on Twin Peaks. Let me get back to your owl thing in a second, but if you see how it's like a weird diamond and then the two peaks coming out and it looks like a little owl flying, right? That one? Yeah. I like to say when Jupiter... I have written... I'll send you guys this and you can put the picture up on your show notes if people are interested just to see, but I have this thing permanently written on my um, daily whiteboard. You know, a calendar it has half calendar, half whiteboard. Yeah. And on it, it says when Jupiter and Saturn align, it forms an X. These are the Twin Peaks. So I'm seeing that the form of an X, when you move it out forward, it becomes a diamond like this. And we're seeing the repetition of the pattern. Also, that looks analogous in the Triforce language, the Trinity. So again, that comes back to what was the Trinity bomb at White Sands? Was Jack Parsons actually launching rockets into space? Can you go past the Van Halen radiation belt? Or is that all a lie? Cough, 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 
or are what we're talking about is stars and things like uh, aliens and going to space, is that actually utilizing a particular explosion of energy on one level to rip open a dimensional veil because things don't work like rocks up at that level of density. They actually get more mystical, huh? What? Or they get more ethereal. So I'm just saying, what was Jack Parsons and who's obviously in the book? And I can't even tell you, like, people accuse me of being the reincarnation of Aleister Crowley or connect me with Jack Parsons. And all three of us are Libras. But it's just this really weird series of events that it does seem like um, connected somehow to the line of magic that they did. And with that, I'll say 93, 93 and let you guys ask another question. <laughs> what well, did, did you have any thoughts about the owls and what they how, what sure. why they're part of uh, the show or? Yeah, 93 again to the third. And yes, uh, the owls are obviously some kind of possessable animal or uh, at least a shape-shifting animal uh, mm -hmm. associated with the Roman goddess Minerva. They have, um, you know, they're a predator bird. They can see at night. They can turn their direction in 360 degrees. Mm -hmm. The all-seeing eye is well established as an, as an analogous uh, uh, totem. Yeah, they're probably interdimensionals or showing at least like the ability for the interdimensional to hunt uh, uh, you know, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man is king. So in the land of dumbed-down sapiens who watch YouTube, who aren't connected to their spirituality, you know, we're all hedgehogs to their feast, and we can't even curl up in a ball. So our, I don't know. I think they are both good and bad, but I think they're a, they're a vehicle that is for whatever we call aliens. Mm -hmm. yeah. in, in one sense, I don't think that's all they are. Right, right, and that you did, you did remind me because it it was the secret history of Twin Peaks that I think if you if you have to wear your your uh, red and blue glasses, three D glasses, three D glasses or something, but I think it showed it as an owl or it showed it as an alien. Yes, I, think. I, yes. Think I had forgotten that. It's yeah, very clear. It's not you don't need to use any woo woo. You can just look at it and oh. you can see it's an image ah. overlaid. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's important because the guy who, uh, Alan Greenfield, writes several books called The Secret Cipher of the Men in Black and uh, Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. And um, he's talking about the men in black and that and owls and how these are all interdimensionally related. I think that's what these men in black are also. I don't know. Something's blocking me from saying something right now. It feels strange. Please continue. But uh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's funny you brought men in black because I was just thinking about the men in black when you were talking like 10 minutes ago about the alien stuff. Um, because yeah, those, those people were always seemed when people talk about what they saw was very owl-like, I guess, kind of like a pale person, very white, big eyes. You could associate with those an owl, maybe. It's true. Um, you could, maybe that's just like, they have really good vision or something. It's like one of those, like piecing down the archetypes or something, paring it down. So it, it just comes across that way. But yeah, I don't know. Um, the men in black are likely interdimensional, highly advanced, um, magicians for lack of a better word. Mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'll tell you this. I hope that I come across as a really honest and genuine and sweet and real person who like, you do. doesn't, yeah. I, 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 I cut straight to the core though. I want to know who you are and I am, I, I, this matters to me integrity mm -hmm. so i was i have a group of weirdos that i love dearly i'm part of a it's not mufon but i'm part of a ufo group that long story short i found an airborne patch and a sword that looks just like the bookhouse boy sword with two slashes of electricity going through it wow. in, a, in a wooded patch of forest so it was electric slash forest so it was combining the two and i keep that airborne in here because the UFO group I'm a member of is similar to that concept in a way, but I found the patch in the foresty area, and five minutes later, I get this guy yelling at me from across the street while I'm walking this dog named Shadow, listening to an episode about the women in black, and this guy basically ropes me into this UFO group. Long story <laughs> short, it's led by people who were friends with my family as a child who used to spend time at my house, and they worked with my father. Wow. You know, before my father was a pastor, my father, I'm the son of a preacher man and a medieval scholar. That's my mom. That's uh, why she named my brother Jeffrey Niles. And mm. I'm saying that for the sake of anyone listening to this, listening to the, the majesty of the strangeness of my family's name, going back to like Harry Leroy. Yes, my grandfather was Harry uh, Truman. And um, Linda is my mother's Linda Lee. So they got Linda and Harry there and Doug. Like, pretty much all of my family's names start showing up throughout the series. And I, I'm i talking about the 
border lines between fiction and reality here. It's a very important thing to grasp because these men in black thing, they're fake, right? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't have answers, but like the whole point is about truth. So I found yeah. this thing. Turns out I end up in this UFO group. They were working on bows back in the 70s, apparently, like on the LD. I'm, I think it's safe to say now. Um, you might, I, I might get back to you and say, please cut that part out. I might not. Yeah. But um, working on some weird stuff at Bose, not just like speakers and sounds, but if you understand what sound is, this is the sound of my voice. You know, if you understand yeah. what sound is, it's everything. Sword in the stone, my friends, is the word in the tone. It's not what you said. It's mm. how you said it. Of, yeah, the word in the tone. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, sound is everything. You know, it's like a twin peak. What's a peak? It's a vibration on a wavelength scale. A peak is a representation of the extremes. What is it? It's the extreme of utmost. You got two of them. Doubles are good. That means it's relevant and real in both dimensions. If we're talking about an actual parallel universe. Mm. Yeah. And there's ripples of that in season three. Different. We don't know where we are. Right. And I, I'm glad you went there because I wanted to go there to some degree. We have this whole thing of dreams in the series, but then we seem to have other worlds. People have met each other through dreams like Laura and Cooper, and yet then they meet each other together in, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're somehow able to be able to be in the same place. And I'm just fascinated by that. I don't really have an answer of like what is real and what isn't. I have I have really direct uh, like super. This just happened. Like I just got told this an hour or two ago. All names cleared to protect the guilty, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I run an Invisibles reading group. Uh, there's a comic book by Grant Morrison uh, called The Invisibles. Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, great. I, if you're interested, we're going to be running it at least one more time. We began it on 11:11 at 11:11 p.m. because it's how I roll. In fact, 11:11. Every time someone says something about 11:11 or looks at it and thinks about it, it actually charges me. It's it's weird. But anyway, yeah, no, it's a good thing. Yeah, I got, I got a good thing going. But um, the point is, let's see. Da, 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 try, take me back to where I was just about to say. We're talking um, dreams and planes and. and yeah, well, I started Invisibles on 11-11. As a, and as an aside, the dude who made Hellier, it turns out we're born in the same year. The year it's about to be Chinese-wise, which is uh, the year of the rat. We are both born in the year of the wood rat. And Master Splinter is a wood rat. And wood rat, uh, Master Splinter, was popularized in the year of the rat of the wood. Uh, because that's how these things work. And again, Twin Geeks did that with LCU in 25 years. These mm. are all over the place. So I started the group. Turns out that I start. It turns out that the guy who makes Hellier's birthday is on 11-11. And it turns out that his wife gave him a copy of The Invisibles for Christmas. It was just a whole bunch of... And we started it again on his birthday un, unknowingly. Huh. So... Uh, these are the people who made Hellier. But so one of my members in my Invisibles group, our Invisibles group, um, we we were like joking about meeting each other in the astral planes and then stuff happened. And we, you know, like, apparently I have a really cool superpower that I'm not going to come right out and say, but like, holy crap. And I know that's, I know how that sounds to like the lay observer, but um, yeah, no, I, I think stuff's, you know, you, you should, you should with, with all, you know, your mind's fragile in a way, you know, the subconscious can easily swallow you whole if you're not learning how to swim like Tool admonished us in their previous album. Hmm. So, you know, uh, take caution, but remember, there's no way else. You can't just spin in a cycle. You'll either spiral in a circle or you'll spiral downwards. The real trick to life, the one out of the three is to spiral upwards, always. Just like in the new Fear Inoculum art, Alex Gray kind of expands it to showing the upward spiral. Bringing it back around to the dream thing, though, we basically, you can meet your friends in the dream world. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because in high school, I had someone, I had some friends who, I don't know what they were discussing, but I remember um, them saying, I, I will. I will see you in my dreams. I thought they're joking. Bobby Briggs literally said that to Norma. Right. She's like, I'll see you in my dreams. But right. Right. But they. They. The next day, they were laughing, giggling. That you, you um, weren't part. That, of it. I guess you weren't. <laughs> I wasn't. But they did, and they were like connected in a way that, like, to them, it it happened. And I didn't question it, but I remember it to this day. Also, it kind of reminds me a little bit of something like I would have sleep paralysis a lot. And when I got in, when I read about that, which is kind of scary stuff, it's 
when you well, you probably know about this, Nathan Lee. Um, when you go to sleep, supposedly your energy or whatever, whatever have you, leaves your body. And I would have sleep paralysis where I would wake up, but I couldn't breathe. I felt like someone was sitting on my chest. I thought, like, I felt like I was dying. And when I looked up, it's you wake your body wakes up before your energy comes back, and it's like that's what they would they would say sleep paralysis would be. Um, and it's happened to me a few times. And it's scary. They also call that a hag attack. And um, oh. I think we need to um, start stepping back. Yeah, I've been. I have. I will. I, I will come out and say this because I've said it on other shows. I've been picked up by forces and thrown against the wall. Wow. I have been picked up. I, I don't need to say it again. That's 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 the true true. Um, yeah, it's just weird, you know. I mean, it really feels like, for what it's worth, I'm like a real life character in Twin Peaks. <laughs> totally. I don't need. To, I, I I wasn't even planning on. Ooh, good good catch my language. I wasn't even planning on saying that. I kind of do a thing. I'm a, I have a Pisces rising, and Pisces is mutable water. Remember, there's four. Yep elements that means there's three possible types if you use 12 so there's beginning middle and end end is very malleable because that's the time when things are changing so water that's malleable is like known as the super psychic sign mm. and when you're you got a sun sign a moon sign your moon's what you are inside basically your sun's what the world sees you but your rising sign where the horizon is that's why you need to know your time and place. And that's why it's all kaput without it, because that will set your houses, which determines which of the 12 signs then get filtered through what they call houses. The first house is like yourself, the 10th like your career, 11th is your house of friends. So you can see why if you had your house of friends on this one, it would be different if you had it on this one. Hmm. But anyways, super psychic sign, the Pisces I have, the rising. So I'm connected between both worlds. My feet literally are in one, in the heavens and the earth. Like it's kind of what I'm here for. So I understand what Lynch and um, Frost are doing, like, intimately. Mm. And I, I honestly would, you know, if I were given the grace to speak with them, like my, uh, my brother Freemason, Mitch Horowitz, uh, he got to interview David. And I wow. would just, I just think that there would be some fruitful discussions if I could be humble enough to listen. And if they took, uh, took my points, I, both of those men would be a godsend to be able to converse with as far as uh, my spiritual uh, understanding of the reality would go, and I could I could help others. I think if I did some good stuff with that, that's my whole point. Yeah, very term. cool. It's interesting to see like how Mark Frost and David Lynch are. I think of Mark Frost very much into rituals and mythology and yeah. and symbols, but you do have David Lynch who is very much into numbers and he sees numbers in everything he does, and he seems very. Yeah, he he definitely has a different perspective. He's very much into dreams, Lynch, and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see these two very wow. different men, and yet they can have some similarities and some things that they, they can bring together to, to bring Twin Peaks. Well, it's kind of like the two of you guys, you know? And it's like with uh, like for me, especially in my chart, the way it's like, I don't, um, I'm like, I'm crap by myself. Like, I will explode. And if I have a partner or someone to work with, like, you can't stop us. It's kind of mm. like... You don't get everything in life. You can't. Right. No one gets. You know, even the king goes mad. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to make a point. Uh, then we can come back around to the frost and Lynch, because I think there's some juicy stuff in there. But I'm glad, dude. The freaking chapter's called "The Way of the Wizard." Of course it is. I'm about to have a moment here. Uh, the book, "The Secret History of Twin Peaks," was surely inspired by a man with a twin name. That is Jonathan Black or Mark Booth. Hmm. Mark Booth wrote "The Secret History of the World." Gentlemen, are you familiar? I don't know if I am. No. I'm going to read to you from page 178 because this without a doubt went into the creation of Twin Peaks. So, Peakies, get your copies. And go on to Twitter and say nice things to Mr. Jonathan Black. Say that the occult fan person said nice things and then he'll be extra happy. He'll double niceness. Twin niceness. Twin love. Fix your heart or die. Twin love. Hmm. So, on page 178, actually, here it is. Seeing things at night. I was looking for this page while you were talking uh, because it has the pictures of the night hags and different um, depictions throughout history. This is 1904 uh, by Maxfield Frederick Parrish. So if you look, I, I can send you guys these like later if you want to add them to the show notes. But on the yeah. next page is one of the most important pages between more pictures of hag attacks, which I was trying to get to. So actually, this is like totally fate right now. Meeting of Contemporary Secret Society in the woods in West Sussex, England. Paracelsus said, it is as necessary to learn evil things as good. For who can know what is good without learning what is evil? 
It is sometimes supposed that all secret societies engage in commerce with evil spirits. However, historically significant secret societies, such as the Rosicrucians, which I, I will uh, publicly, I am a Rosicrucian, and the Freemasons, you already know I am, mm. acknowledge the dark side only in order to combat it. That's a sub-note in this illustrated secret history of the world, which undoubtedly impacted Mark Frost, and we have Freemasons in the actual secret history of Twin Peaks, so I'd like to uh, let you know, let you gentlemen think about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I... you know where my mind goes is my mind then goes to the Bookhouse Boys. Like it's almost like the Bookhouse Boys could have been Masons, or they're definitely in this yes. group in secret yeah. society. You and guys, they ha- you guys are okay. I like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like you guys. You guys are a okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that's that's uh, that's that's some important stuff to talk about because I actually have. I am uniquely situated to speak this information. If you care to uh, allow me to elaborate before we talk a little bit about the Mark Frost and sure. such, there's yep. a there's two days in the year that are super important. You're not really uh, it, traditionally a Freemason is only considered a Freemason. And again, obviously, I, I I'm not going to say anything that you can't. Do. So I'm just telling you some obvious stuff here. A Freemason is not really considered a Freemason if he doesn't observe the days of the Holy Saints John. I knew this like when I was a kid for some reason. Hmm. That's uh, June 24th. Uh, that's uh, St. John Day in the summer. I want to say it's the Baptist, but geez, now I'm being horrible. I can't remember which one's Evangelist and Baptist on the moment because June 24th is UFO Day also because masonry and ultra-dimensionals definitely aren't connected, says Alan Greenfield, wink. <laughs> I, I'm not with any clans. For any of my brethren, companions, or uh, princes listening, like it's just an opinion, and uh, you guys you guys know that we... Um, yeah, well, anyway, so it's an it's an important thing that's at this period of history, basically. Uh, America was started 250 years ago in 2026, right? Yes. <laughs> that's not a fair thing, I guess. Yes, the answer is yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and while I pull this up, I delivered a speech um, at my Masonic Lodge in Norwood, Mass., as I mentioned, Orient Lodge. I love my brother in there. Um yeah, I was kind of trailing off before talking to tell my brother and listening. Guys, I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, so that's what I was going to say there. But I ended up giving a speech that was based off of a speech that was given. Now, why did I start by saying that there's a Feast of St. John? Because there's also one in December on the 27th. This is one that is always a huge, huge, huge draw. We had a new Grand Master of Masons in Massachusetts installed this year. He is the highest position in Massachusetts masonry, each Masonic body being independent within the state that it is in its own jurisdiction. That being said, we got a new um, head uh, of masonry in our state, and there was, of course, different keynote addresses given. The most important one, of course, is the keynote itself, and this was given by... Brother Akram R. Elias, he's the past Grand Master, again, Grand Master, right, of the Grand Lodge of Washington, D.C. So he's the head of the head lodge in the head of the country. Wow. And by the way, if you look at a Masonic Lodge, actually, we'll, we'll get around to that. So, but um, I'm not going to read you the entire speech that he gave. I am fairly sure that um, I don't even need to, I, we'll see about supplying it to you, but I can, I'm going to read to you briefly from the reflections that I gave on this tweet that he said, and the necessary, the necessary parts, um, I will simply condense down to, let's say, you know, I'll just, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share right now what was said in the keynote speech and bring it down to three sentences. And if you guys have any questions, I'll elaborate. But let's keep it really, uh, how you say, mercifully brief. And uh, the three statements that our brother made were these: My dear brethren, America and Freemasonry are mystically tied through an invisible cable toe that a true initiate fully understands. Therefore, what happens to America the day after 2026 is of the utmost concern to us Freemasons. For the celebration to be meaningful, Americans must pause and reconnect with the essence of the capital G and capital E great experiment. Whence came you, America? And whence came we as entered apprentice Masons? Does America have free, enlightened, and engaged citizens, capital C, citizens, to make the experiment work. Welcome to the true legacy of Freemasonry. Huh. In that speech, he talked about esoterics and esoterics, and there's these are important times we're living in right now, basically, and I don't think it's any accident that there's aprons in this book. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I'm, we're at an interesting period in history where we could uh, things can always go both ways. You know that point in the relationship where you, or your girlfriend, you're, you know, you're still with her. It's because you guys chose to get along, or mm. it's because you chose to go over the edge. You know, there's there's stuff that happens, and as societies, as above, so below. So if we're heading towards a quote unquote crisis point, you know, when the when the veils will allow you only into that wooded area with the sycamore trees only once for whenever. Why is that? Why? Because the quality of the energies change. People go crazy on the full moon. That's a microcosmic. What if the whole thing's a volcano of crazy full moons? Mm-hmm. So when I, yeah. So again, when you teach yourself how to control your own self, you, you don't get externally controlled. And there's a huge lesson because as the weather of the space weather waxes and wanes, great Cocteau twin song, as it waxes and wanes, it's going to impact us greater or lesser. And wouldn't you think it to be the most responsible, independent thing a person could do to overcome their susceptibility to external forces governing them versus their own self-control within? And that's what the Twin Peaks of America and Freemasonry are. Wow. You, you tied that up pretty good there. You tied it together like... And you could see that with the lodges and then with Major Briggs and the Blue yeah. Boys and, there's and secrets all secrets and there's a history and there's... Secret uh, the, societies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love like, it. there's no reckoning that I'm here tonight. I am of my own volition speaking with you guys, having a great conversation with people who love the best show ever. I mean, that's not a question here. Yeah. And at the same time, things happen that make life so much better. And sometimes it's a weird spiritual thing. Mm. You can't quite explain it. Just like you can't quite explain mom's peaks and dad's peaks. You know, Jupiter and Saturn came together. And, well, ideally, right? Wink, wink. But uh, they came together, and now we're here. So the Holy Trinity, you know, it's like Mozart said in the Magic Flute, Brother Mozart, he said, Mon, Ons, Wife, you know, man and woman, and then the child. Those are the three things that keep the world going. I'll say this, to finish this point succinctly enough, to wrap it up like a Masonic apron almost, you would say that Alex Gray's newest artwork in Fear Inoculum, which is a hugely important album, released the day after the singer's birthday that I mentioned, Elizabeth Fraser. So that's August 30th. On his hyperstellium in Virgo, the mutable earth element, mutable change on the physical level. I know I'm throwing stuff. Don't worry about it. That's for people who are into this. That's the, like uh, inside baseball stuff. But so on the tool artwork, it shows these. It's, it, it's basically talking about the DNA, right? The actual DNA that's in us right now. Mm. That holographic stuff, whatever it is. That's he's showing the Olympic torch built out of a DNA stock. Metaphorically saying, what happens with the Olympic torch? It's it's they run with it forward and it's a celebration and it never goes out. You can't ever let it go out. Yeah. 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 The spirit. The spirit. Yes, it continues. <laughs> so we need that's like literally when the tool listen to the tool album Fear Inoculum. It's meant to be listened as an entire um seven song set if you're listening right. to the physical. It's, it's literally a, a movie. And some of the lessons it talks about there, because it is lessons, like for what it's worth, there's interdimensionals working with tool. Hands down, the owls are working with tool, if you will. I think that uh, talks about calling us to, you know, to arms and order. Or, there's all these, I could go down and explain why these concepts are super relevant to what we're saying. But ultimately right now, what's really important is it's trying to teach a very no BS spiritual lesson in that album. And don't forget that the Tempest was Shakespeare's final play. And it was about a magician. Oh, Mm. very true. Yeah. Yeah. The seven's relevant. Uh, If you look at Capricorn and cancer, I'm just going to, I know, I know I'm throwing stuff at you. Like this has just become like occult blah, but honestly, uh, it's kind of how the mind works at times. And uh, by the way, the difference between Capricorn and cancer, the soul gate of entrance and the soul gate of exit is a seven because the 76ers or 1776 um, is the Capricorn and a cancer is a 69. David Bowie, a Capricorn died of cancer at 69 because he actually he definitely really died. He's not just like retired publicly. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and I so, don't know. No hex, right? Whatever. So Nathan Lee, we, we don't have a lot more time with you, but I'd love, is there anything else you want to share with us before we do have to end the show? You know, I feel like I've done a really good job addressing a lot of the key points I wanted to make. I wanted to try to get to the hot spots of like some of the more seriously accessible and obviously important uh, metaphors that the show presents to us mm. like that whole thing about jupiter and saturn aligning uh in our real world quote unquote there's going to be a jupiter saturn conjunction coming up at the end of 2020 which is what two twos two peaks wow and um, 
don't forget that 10 itself as a number isn't really a number. It's a measurement of expansion or contraction. So to intensify, that's why you tens things. Hmm. Uh, that's why X is the multiplication and it's a 10 as well. Uh, what else can we throw in here? Because when it's multiplying, it's like the children multiplying. There's again, the Jupiter and Saturn, that force of Jupiter is expansion. Remember the ghost of Christmas past. Oh, 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 jollity, jollity, <laughs> joy. Jupiter, the bringer of joy by Holst. And then you look at Saturn, the future, the, you know, the death, the scythe, the old man of new year. And that's restriction. You put a ring around your beloved's finger because you love them so much and you're going to fit the custom of restriction. Hmm. That ring binds them. To thee I now wed. To thee you are bound. So Saturn's binding. Jupiter's expanding. That sounds like oil and water, right? So what perfect opposites? Conjunctio ad oppositorum. The singer of uh, James Keenan, Maynard of uh, Tool, has a, a perfect, what is it, a perfect, comp a union of, what is the name of your book? It's right here. A perfect union of contrary things. Hmm. So, you know, it's when two opposites come together that you get a reaction and then you get a third thing. That's alchemy. I guess the last thing I want to talk about is uh, Lodge 49. Ah. Yeah, if any if any Lodge 49 nerds are out there, anyone who's actually like on that show, and you guys need an actual wizard, you know, I don't at this point, like honestly, like life's weird enough. I special things are happening. I don't I I, I you never ever wanted with your life be like, oh, please do this, please do this. Like once you're doing that, it's like, no, that's not that's not how it's done. Right. <laughs> but I, I, you can totally be like, hey, Lodge 49 people, I'm an actual you know, I actually kind of look like Doug. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, if you guys if you guys need me, I'm honestly like that'd be fun. We would have a great time. Totally. So anyway, yeah. And it's got a Twin Peaks connection, right? We've got Kenneth Walsh who was on that show. Exactly, and that's the thing that um you know we do magically uh, is like we're in film. They do magically. They put the same actors in certain places. Like uh, a guy on the X Files who was like set on fire became like the guy who played the Human Torch in another movie. So there's jokes like that. Hmm. The power in your name and the numbers that your names form. We were talking about Jamatra earlier, and we won't even get around to that tonight. But the number seven super is important, and you evolve through sevens. Alchemy goes through sevens A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you're no longer on the same plane unless you go in a circle. If you spiral upwards, which I was trying to mention in the Alex Gray art again, to keep the um, world going, to keep the DNA going, to keep the consciousness, light of awareness going. We need to spiral upwards, and that means improving ourselves always. But the point mm. is, is that, you know, you get, like, shows about Rosicrucians or Freemasons, like Lodge 49 coming out. And you just got to wonder, like, is this something that we need in our society right now so badly that the TV shows are doing it? Or are they trying to write it into reality or what? Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. It's true. Yes. It just write itself right. to reality eventually, somehow, some way. I mean, that's the way to get to the people. I mean, so right. many people are like, <laughs> you know, Ex television is the only way they, they learn about life. Exposes and, yeah. you to something different. Do you know where it came from? The cathode ray tube and everything like that? Do, I mean, does one consider the source of the internet itself or even where highways came from? I mean, these things are, you know, what is the Federal Reserve doing being born on Jekyll Island? Wink. So, like, <laughs> look, do people look at these things? And, and what does one understand or clock about the reality and, you know, how big is your quote-unquote God? How big is your universe? How big are you able to be? Right. And ultimately, are you in service to others as much as yourself at least? Man, uh, Nathan Lee, this has been, like, you've blown my mind tonight. This has been a great... My last question for you. Oh, what, you got one more question? Last question. What year is it right <laughs> Cooper's uh, last year. thing. Technically, it's the year 6020. Ah, um, What's so funny is that uh, the York Rite actually has a different numbering system, then the Masons have a different numbering system, AL. But then there's also the fact that, like, what what even is the Gregorian count? I was actually looking this up the other day, and having so many weird things where, like, my life has been being revealed to me now in a way that I could never have possibly expected. So I think that's a good way to end it. And I, I guess I'd say also, like, to anyone who's honestly out there trying to do the good occult work and who isn't cynical and lost themselves to, like, the vampire of abaddon uh i would say that you know if you're not black lodge if you're totally trying to be white lodge or you are white lodge then feel free to reach out to me and how do people reach out to you how can they 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 follow you and uh find more you of your work on your roof and yell really loud and <laughs> 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 
Um, you know what? It's like a cult fan um, on Twitter is where uh, you can find my tweetings. If you want, if you're on Discord, I have the Six of Swords Discord server. I can figure out a way to get you a link there, but occultfan at gmail is also acceptable. Those Between that and my website, occultfan.com, you'll find me. And I highly encourage you to listen to the Value for Value role-playing game, which is the way that you can donate to my show. And we also have an RPG for the highest donators that month to actively play in the money that you pay into the show. You can buy items in the game. Cool. And it's an, it's an actual case of when we're writing things into reality. You were already getting weird stuff with Mothman, MIB, and Interdimensionals the other night. It was like the story was writing itself almost, as if Twin Peaks itself wanted to be told in that way. Mm -hmm. So it's a value for value role-playing game. I would love to have some peakies in that. If you want to, Six of Swords, Apple, uh, Podcast Addict, whatever. Most important thing is my music, the cult fan. And uh, got some new music in the works, which I cannot even talk about. But it's a completely separate project from a cult fan coming up. So that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is my... I, I, it's like a sex worker, but it's, I call it rock star worker. So anyway. <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank so, you, you so much. It was so cool talking with you, and so a lot to you leave us with a lot to think about, and a lot of uh, home, I think a lot of homework here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, God bless you guys, and thank you so much. I mean, like whatever God is, right? I, when I say God bless these days, it's it's like a weird oil and water thing in a way, because like I know it freaks a lot of people out today, but that's too bad. Yeah, it's you know, too like, bad. We're disconnected. But, you know, it's just, yeah. just like, hey, everything, I love you for existing, and I don't know, I have a kind of Zen Buddhist core in a way. I, I just really want good, peaceful, loving things to happen. That's, that awesome. That's a good way to live. It really is. I wish everybody could live that way. Yep. That's why you are a White Lodge dweller. Right. And yeah. we, I, I think we are too, at some extent. I, I try. I believe. I, believe I try so. to live the golden rule of uh, treat others as you want to be treated. And, uh, right. And uh, very important. I'll, I'll finish with this. I'm born on Hobbit Day. So Hobbit Day. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> My life is just way too weird, and I think that's a good place to end it. Like, and thank you to David Lynch and Mark Frost. Thank you yeah. to all the peakies out there. Peakies are the best. They are. Guys. Thank you again to David Lynch and Mark Frost. Oh Mark yeah. Frost. It's the best. They made an amazing world that we get to play in. We yeah. get to uh, really dig deep. So if anybody out there has a comment, question, or theory about today's show, give us a, an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TwinPeaksUnwrapped. Like us on Facebook, TwinPeaksUnwrapped. And give us that five-star review on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're all on major uh, podcast places. See you guys next week.